with your hosts Tim, Hi, and Lachlan. Howdy. And Ruben. Hello. Gentlemen, observe my hat. I was just thinking that's a very smart looking hat there, mate. <clears throat> it is. It is. Um, it's a Trimbley. Ooh. Uh, just like the one out of uh, Expanse, <laughs> is mm. what I was aiming for. Um, had my 20th wedding anniversary, and my wife got me this hat. That's a nice. proper a felty, magnificent hat. I like. Um, Stanton is the brand. And uh, yeah, there's this dude at Hat Weld, and um, it was really cool. Gave me a hand sort of getting the head size right and all that sort of stuff. Rib's There's face was saying the same Hat thing I was, <laughs> I was thinking. There is a place called Hat World. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't there be? But I can't say I've heard of it. Well, there you go. So it's Hat World. It's a mad hat. It keeps the rain off my head. And, uh... Oh, mate, if it started raining, you'd hide that thing. You'd try to get it out of the way. <laughs> I was just quoting the movie or the TV show. <laughs> anyway, um, my beverage for this evening is a Budweiser and uh, this is really good I've forgotten how nice this beer is it is really nice uh, what are you drinking there Lachlan? Um, I'm uh, actually having a Sailor Jerry so um, oh lovely something different very nice how about you Ruben? Uh, I've got a Captain Captain Morgan? yeah i got a Captain Morgan yes I was eyeing some of that off uh, last time I was at the bottle shop. Mate, don't buy it from the bottle shop, Audi. <laughs> well, I didn't buy it at the bottle shop, so that's okay. I ended up yeah. getting a uh, a ten year old peated whiskey and a six pack of Budweiser. <laughs> I haven't had a Budweiser for like it feels like a decade. Oh my God, it's so much while. better than I remember it being. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> So, for our American listeners out there, most people in Australia don't drink Budweiser, but um, no. it's good. Enjoy. It's mm. good. So, before we get into the book this week, usually I reserve these types of topics for the pub for lots of us, but last week we talked about that uh, we'll go and see The Northman, mm. and uh, Ruben and I did go and see that with a mate of ours, uh, Boxy. And um, I'm going to do a spoiler alert right now. So <laughs> anyone listening who hasn't seen it, just skip forward a minute. But um, man, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a such a mad movie. Um, I, I really loved it. What, Ruben, what, what do you want to say about it? Yeah, it was great. It was bloody great. I really liked it. Um, I don't know. There's not much out there like it these days, so... It was almost refreshing to see a movie constructed like that. Mm. Yeah. Well, what was uh, what well, anything like particularly unique <coughs> about it, or just a bit more raw, or? or uh... Well, the director's that dude that did the Lighthouse movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not as weird as that movie, but it's still pretty weird in places, and it's just I didn't even realize until I was reading up about it after watching it. There is like whole scenes that are just done in one take. And they yeah. did a whole lot oh, of work yeah? to make that happen, yeah. Um, and just very, very well made, very well made. So, mm. music's on point, story's solid, casting's good. Um, the cinematography is gorgeous. I can't wait to watch it at home on my projector. Um, yeah, like with this, with the camera work, I feel like it's as good as the Fastbenders Macbeth movie, with how beautiful it looked. Like really, really mm. nice. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe in you having a movie night at your place, I'll be able to get around and see it since since I wasn't able to get there. <laughs> well, I have several liters of mead, so we can watch it and drink mead at the same time. <laughs> a horn of mead, excellent. I have a horn somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. There we go. Here's my drinking horn. You- of course you have one. <laughs> My parents got that for me for Christmas two years ago. Excellent. That's awesome. All right, well, let's begin. Uh, I believe that we are up to section 23. Mm. 
Yes, indeed. Um, there we go. Now my Kindle's up to date. So uh, I'll read this and then we will discuss. So, section 23. <clears throat> if it ever happened to you to be diverted to things outside so that you desire to please another, know that you have lost your life's plan. Be content then, always, to be a philosopher. If you wish to be regarded as one too, show yourself that you are one and you will be able to achieve it. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> so, is he saying if you find that you want to please someone else, you've lost your way? sort of sounds like that um I, i'm not quite sure why though um i just assume that when he says when you find when you happen to be diverted to outside things i'm just from what we've read before i assume that he means um start going after things that are outside your control mm. Yeah, it's just a bit about uh, about desiring to please another, but I, I guess maybe you're right. It's um, yeah, okay. So, so like, it could be that you're <clears throat> almost like sort of like brown nosing to get ahead or something. Maybe um, like to maybe pursue something that would be outside of your um, your station or something like that. And, um, well, I guess I guess you're necessarily at that point altering your behaviour for the sake of what somebody else thinks. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he's always banging on about, well, you can't control what other people think. That's outside, you know. You don't own that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. maybe maybe that's what he's thinking at. I think mm. I think you picked up on something too in the distinction of what's not in your control because I don't think he's saying that you shouldn't try and make an effort to please somebody else. But it's saying yeah. if if your method of doing that um, is by being distracted to things outside, yeah, um, then then that's probably where you've gone wrong. Yeah. So I think it is it the same principle that he's talking about earlier about this about yourself that you shouldn't become a slave to those things. You shouldn't pursue them, and it's mm. also equally valid to not pursue those things to try and make someone else happy so so A is don't pursue these things to make yourself happy and then B is don't pursue those same said things to make someone else happy you think that's what mm. you're saying that sounds fair I, I think um, yeah I, I think it's just sort of uh, encouraging you that if you're going <clears> to <throat> live that philosopher life it's um, you know you, you stick to your own principles and if you have to bend your principles for somebody else, then you've gone off track. Yeah, because he does then immediately talk about being a philosopher. So yeah, I think that's right. That reminds me of that Socrates quote about marriage. Do you remember it? No. no, no. Oh, it's the one where he says, um, by all means, marry. If you have a good wife, you'll be happy. And if you don't, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> 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 I wonder if you're speaking from experience there. It's Mrs. Socrates. <laughs> um, so the second half is be content to be a philosopher. Hmm. If you wish to be regarded as one, show yourself you are one. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess maybe it's kind of... Um, holding yourself to account on that. I mean, um, Epictetus is pretty direct on what he thinks you need to be to be a philosopher. And it's, he, he seems quite rigid on it. Um, and so I think it's that thing, well, if you're going to do it, then do it. But this is the standard you should be aiming for. And um, if you're not really prepared to bear that then um you know maybe it's not for you i suppose 
I kind of, from this, get the impression that he thinks that philosophy is almost inherently introspective. Um, I don't know whether he's saying that of philosophy itself or whether that's just like a side effect of his uh, approach to everything where he's like, you know, focus on what you can control and mm. the only thing you can really control you really own is your own reaction to things. Um, but that's sort of uh, how I see him. That's kind of the impression I get on the second half of that quote. I don't know whether that's mm. really accurate. Is it is it a way to safeguard yourself about trying to impress other people by saying like if you if you want to show everyone else that you're a philosopher, we'll show yourself first. Yeah, it's like a bit like Peterson's clean your room. I I almost think like you know if he's saying that if you want to be a philosopher, then you don't have to show anyone anything. It's just be true to yourself as the philosopher, and the other stuff will just kind of follow or not. Like. I get the vibe like he actually doesn't care <clears throat> really what anyone would think about him being a philosopher. It's like I'm just being true to myself and that's that. Um, you, reckon, you, can, you, you reckon that's because he, um, his, his system is kind of like you, you, the only thing you, you own really is not the only thing you own, but the main thing that you own or the thing you control is the way you react to things. So um he's like if that is his definition of philosophy then philosophy is essentially you know controlling how you uh how you react to things mm. not for sure um yeah look i think you're onto something before when you're saying that the way he approaches it seems to be a pretty inward sort of inward focus um and i think it's just kind of like if you've got like-minded um people around you then that's that's cool like that's a great thing but don't change your chat kind of regardless if you know what i mean yeah um, yeah but if it all starts I mean, with, if it all starts with the self then yeah. nobody's unless you get that that starting part that first step right the self part right then nobody mm -hmm. else is gonna see you as a philosopher yeah i mean it, it's interesting because i mean if you think about epictetus um like whilst he may not be out there to um, sort of boost his own brand or whatever, but I mean, he, he did run a philosophy school and he was like trying to teach others. So he did obviously care about the external, but maybe not at the cost of what was core to him as a philosopher, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yep. So maybe there, there is some... Um, some uh, you know some ability within his 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 model to still be sort of um, external as long as you're following and sticking to your internal philosophy or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not fully convinced that it's like inher like inherently or necessarily an internal philosophy. But hmm. um, I guess I think I get the impression from him. If you were to react to something and lose your temper and lose control, he would see that as an internal philosophical failing yeah weakness um you you, yeah. you you gave in yeah and if if that's the way he sees it working then he's like well unless you get that internal thing sorted out um you know if you're running around losing your shit at everything then people are not going to be listening to you they're not going to think you're a philosopher they're just gonna you know think you're uh, you're out of control yeah exactly yeah, yeah. all right um Let's move on to section 24 and strap yourselves in because this is a big reading. Mm, that's a big so, one. Um, I'll read it, but it might take a while. <laughs> well, did you, uh, want to, did you want to break it up? Oh. Uh, because <coughs> he does question and answer, so. Yeah, yeah, good point. That's up, that's up to Look, you. Let's you do, yeah, let's do that. Let's do, uh, let's do the first two questions as a reading and then we'll pause there okay 24a we'll call it let not reflections such as these afflict you i shall live without honor and never be of any account for if lack of honor is an evil no one but yourself can involve you in evil any more than in shame is it your business to get office or to be invited to an entertainment certainly not where then is the dishonor you talk of how can you be of no account anywhere? 
when you ought to count for something in those matters only which are in your power where you may achieve the highest worth but my friends you say will lack assistance what do you mean by lack assistance they will not have cash from you and you will not make them Roman citizens who told you that to do these things is in our power and not dependent upon others who can give to another what is not his to give get them then says he that we may have them pause there yeah, I think so. Sure. Okay. So he's almost got like this imaginary conversation, or it was probably, I'm assuming maybe he did have this conversation, but um, he's kind of uh, saying, yeah, it's almost like a question and answer, like a, a hypothetical conversation between the way that someone thinks or the way that he's observed them thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he starts out talking about... <clears throat> um, like if you're not being sort of like recognized and being someone of importance um and that if you're not someone important then you're, you're sort of nobody is, is kind of that sort of rhetorical question is is throwing out there and he's saying is it your business to get office or be invited to entertainment so i think it's like being a bit of a big shot you know that you're going to achieve a certain a certain standing and that if you're not getting that kind of thing then because you know one um, you know, you, you lack honor and, um, he's just sort of challenging that, um, you know, like, of course you've got honor, you've, you've got honor in doing what is within your power. Like, don't worry about what's outside of your power. And, um, it's, um, yeah, I reckon you're, you're like, I think a simple way of saying is don't let it bother you. Like, don't, he's basically saying, don't think. Uh, oh man, nobody's going to remember me. I'm not going to amount to anything. That's kind of like mm. a really simple way to say it, eh? Yeah. And then, and then his response, his immediate response to that is, um, well, I mean, um, he said because he's talking about honor. He says, for, if a lack of honor is evil, only you're you're the only one that can be decide to be evil or not be evil. For sure. So you think he's he's sort of saying, don't worry about like. It's not your business. That's why he says it's not your business whether you're getting a promotion or going to get honoured or people are going to love you or you're going to get invited to events. Um, like it's outside your control. So once again, he's immediately back to you don't control that. Yeah. 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 But I think he's also saying there's no dishonour in being where you are because it's, it's followed up with like, how can you be of no account anywhere when you ought to count for something in those matters only in which you're in power? For sure. So is that that? To me, I read that it's sort of like that um, playing out the part in the play, doing your part well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is it's exactly what it is. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it's like right. everyone's got control over something. It may not be much, but you've got something. So focus mm. on doing what you can with what you have. Yeah, I guess he's <laughs> essentially saying because if you didn't, that you that would be a dishonor. Mm. Yeah. It's um, it's funny the bit about the friends, um, <laughs> but my friends, you say, yeah, continue along. Yeah, uh, so they were just saying that bit about, uh, but my friends, you say, will lack assistance. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting thing and maybe it's something of the times back then that um yeah I, I guess it was part of your social standing was about what people can get from you or how you can be sort of influential for them and all that sort of thing which is quite interesting is that, what you, really is that what thing the, now? do you think that's what the do you think that's what the question is is like when he says they'll like this is it like saying well how can yeah. i help my friends well yeah because he's saying um they'll not have cash from you and you will not make them roman citizens and so yeah, right. it sounds like <clears throat> their expectation is that you got to get like public office so that you can do the dodgy and like get them in hook as them citizens. Yeah, or, yeah uh, hook them up okay. with jobs for the boys or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. it, it was just quite a, um, yeah, quite a funny thing. It's not something I think you'd think about so much in, in modern times. Um, but, um, but in any case, you know, he's finishing up uh 
you know, if you don't have that, uh, that power of influence, um, you know, get them then says he, so that we may have them, you know, <laughs> so it's like the, you know, so you're saying like the, the friends are going to encourage you for their benefit, not your benefit. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess That's right. You're like, like, you're like, I can't do yeah. that for you, man. And they're like, well, you know, make it so you can. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Philosophers before bros. <laughs> okay. So maybe we're going to continue uh, reading at this point, Tim. Yeah, all right. I'll keep reading. If I can get them and keep my self-respect, honor, magnanimity, show the way, and I'll get them. But if you call on me to lose the good things that are mine in order that you may win things that are not good, look how unfair and thoughtless you are. And which do you really prefer, money or a faithful, modest friend? Therefore, help me rather to keep these qualities and do not expect from me actions which will make me lose them. But my country, says he, will lack assistance so far as lies in me. Once more I ask, what assistance do you mean? It will not owe colonnades or baths to you. What of that? It does not owe shoes to the blacksmith or arms to the shoemaker. It is sufficient if each man fulfills his own function. Would you do it no good if you secured to it another faithful and modest citizen? Yes. Well, then you would not be useless to it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're going uh, back on a republic tangent here, aren't we? Almost. Yeah, it feels it's, like um, that. Yeah. It's, um, it certainly seems to be talking to the just man and, um, you know, what kind of role you would have. Um, and I think it's a great question too, you know, like what kind of friend wants you to be immoral? Um, you know, are they really a friend if that's, if that's what they're wanting from you? So I think it's a, it's a good rhetorical question for him to, um, to ask, I think. Yeah. Again, that feels like a Peterson thing, man. That's, um, make friends with those who want the best for you. Hmm. That's one of his rules. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that bit's pretty, um, pretty clear. Um, it's it's interesting too about like then he sort of moves on to talk about country, and uh, saying it's not going to owe uh, colonnades of baths to you. So uh, you know, it's, it's, you're looking for a statue in the in the main square. I think is what they're sort of saying. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think he's just like sort of trying to bring it back down down to sort of reality here. You know, um, um, does not owe shoes to the blacksmith. So you know, who cares like about the you know the the glory. I think maybe it's just sort of the message, you know, yeah, he's, kind of, he's kind of saying in, yeah, almost like in that Plato's Republic fashion, he's basically saying, you know what the state needs from you? Yeah. I need you to do your freaking job. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, don't, don't worry about the rest of that stuff. Yeah. Just play your role, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think like at the end there, like, he wraps it up pretty nicely. Um, um, would you do it no good if you secured another faithful and modest citizen? And it's like, well, you know, that, that's what they wanted in the Republic, right? That's uh, exactly what they're after. Yeah. Yeah. And get a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, let's read the last part of 24. Uh, so what place then shall I have in the city? Whatever place you can hold while you keep your character for honor and self-respect. But if you're going to lose these qualities in trying to benefit your city, what benefit, I ask, would you have done her when you attained to the perfection of being lost to shame and honor? Yep. Very interesting. So. Yeah. Ah. Good combo, but it, yeah. It does feel like he's uh, riffing pretty heavily on uh, on the Plato there, but um, that's cool. I like it. Yeah, he's kind of saying, uh, you know, go as high as you can go without compromising um, your principles is kind of what he's saying. And then he extends that to basically saying it's not of no benefit if you compromise yourself for the sake of uh, power mm. because then what good does it do to the city if you get to the top and then, you know, 
it's almost like you're saying, well, if you're corrupt and you get to the top, you, you're not going to be a good to the city. You could even look at it like even further than that. It's like, well, what if you get to the top, but you lied, stole, and killed, killed your way there? Once Absolutely. it comes out how you got there, it all comes crashing down. Not to mention yeah. if you're at the top and you're the kind of person who will lie, steal, or, or kill, or whatever, um, you're not going to be much of a very beneficial leader. When you're at the top, you're not going to be doing the right thing because you didn't do the right thing to get there. It's, yeah, it's pretty right. sound advice and it's kind of straightforward when you think about it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, it makes me think of something interesting. I've been watching a show called Ozarks. I don't know if you guys have seen Ozarks at all. I heard of it, haven't watched it though. <clears throat> Same. Okay. Um, without spoiling anything, basically, they get in a bad situation where they got to launder money for a cartel. Um, and they get to a certain point where they, uh, they're just, they're regular people, but then obviously they kind of get, it snowballs and they end up involved with really bad people, but they get to a point where they're like, well, we could kind of, we could back out, uh, and we could probably live or we could double down and we can, uh, you know, make all this money and power and we could get into politics and things like that. Um, and what they start doing is try to justify it to themselves. We know what we're doing is wrong, but if we can get to this place where we have money and power, we can use that money and power to benefit people and do good. Mm. You know what I mean? So that, that, that this kind of what that reminds me of this quote, because it's kind of like saying, yeah, okay, but what good is it if you've compromised everything that makes you a good person to get to the top? When you get to the top, you're not going to be doing good things because you, you've ceased to be a good person. Yeah. Look, it, it it is an interesting concept. Um, and I don't um, I don't disagree with that. It's funny though because if you think about uh, philanthropists, like a lot of those are um, probably some pretty stone cold dudes who have um, you know um, maybe had to do a bit of backroom dealing to get their businesses super successful, dominate the landscape to, in order to have mass, massive fortunes where they can now go and do, uh, um, you know, stuff for the benefit of mankind, right? Um, you do wonder, like you do wonder eh, when you see some of those really, really rich and really powerful people, I do wonder like what what have you done to get there? Like hmm. what, you know? <laughs> well, and, and I guess I wonder too if they are trying to like clear the slate by doing some good, at the end of their career because they have done so much bad shit in between. <laughs> Trying to pay it back, yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you, actually, it's funny you say that. I've had that thought myself before. Mm. I, I, I have wondered that if, if that is the case. It's kind of like yeah. they're trying to earn their way back into heaven because they realize they're bound for hell or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I mean, that was like one of those sort of early tenants from the, um, from the Republic about, you know, the... Um, um, you know, the old man, uh, uh, Thrasymachus's father or um, whomever he was and, um, you know, that who's sleeping easy because he didn't lie or cheat his way through life and uh, didn't owe anybody anything. And so he was uh, comfortable in his journey, of, you know, finishing his life because he knew he'd done the right thing and was probably going to go to heaven. And uh, all the other guys he knew that had uh, lied and stabbed and cheated their way through, um, can't sleep at night because they're they're sweating that they're going to be sent to Hades at the uh, at the end of the day. So um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Balance the ledger. Yeah. <laughs> it is very interesting. Mm. All right. Well, um, twenty five is not as long, but it's chunky. So I'll read that one and we'll keep going. Yeah. Has someone had precedence of you at an entertainment or a levy or being called in before you to give advice? If these things are good, you ought to be glad that he got them. If they are evil, do not be angry that you did not get them yourself. Remember that if you want to get what is not in your power, you cannot earn the same reward as others unless you act as they do. How is it possible for one who does not haunt the great man's door to have equal shares with the one who does, or one who does not go into his train equality with one who does, or one who does not praise him with one who does. You will be unjust then and insatiable if you wish to get these privileges for nothing without paying their price. What is the price of a lettuce? An oval, perhaps. 
If then a man pays his obol and gets his lettuces, and you do not pay and do not get them, do not think you are defrauded. For as he has the lettuces, so you have the obol you did not give. The same principle holds good too in conduct. You were not invited to someone's entertainment, because you did not give the host the price for which he sells his dinner. He sells it for compliments, he sells it for attentions. Pay him the price then, if it is to your profit. But if you wish to get the one and yet not give up the other, nothing can satisfy you in your folly. What you say, you have nothing instead of the dinner? Nay, you have this. You have not praised the man you did not want to praise. You have not had to bear with the insults of his doorstep. <laughs> man, you guys are going to have to help me out with this one. I got super lost. Do you know what? Uh, I had a read of the, the modern translation. Um, so that help? It, it, it did. Um, I, I won't read it out because, again, like it's a pretty long passage. <clears throat> um, but I think they were just sort of saying, uh, well, okay, if we go back to the, the first sort of paragraph, um, more or less sort of saying, you know, if somebody gets um, called for counsel, um, and especially like being like honoured at a party or something like that, you know, be happy for them um, if that's a good thing. Um, so if your mate get, gets called up and all that sort of thing, then that's fantastic. You know, good on you, mate. Um, you're someone important and they want to they want to talk to you. Um, yeah, it's don't not be good, envious, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be envious. And if it's not a good thing, um, then you should be glad that you didn't get called up. You know what I mean? Um, so either way, you should be happy. Either happy for your mate or happy you didn't get called up because it's a bad thing, right? Um, Actually, sorry, and, sorry to stop you there. Actually, I think hmm. that's really, apart from being good advice, but um, I think that's really perceptive um, because let's say you are jealous, right? You can you kind of see people go either way or maybe observe myself do this. Um, like you get angry because it's like, that should have been mine. Or you yep. do the other way, which is, oh, I didn't want it anyway. It's shit. That's crap. <laughs> I didn't want it anyway. You know? <laughs> and he's like, he's basically pointing out that that's a contradiction. Mm. You know, like that, that, that. Either way, that's um, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> thought of it like lotto. Like, if your mate wins the lotto, don't don't be jealous because you didn't when you haven't been buying lotto tickets. Mm. Like, if you decided <laughs> in life that the price of spending thirty bucks a week for all my life on lotto tickets is a stupid idea, but then your mate gets that lotto, well. Don't be jealous and be happy for them, and and don't think, well, I should have won that instead because I'm better or I'm this or I'm that because you weren't willing to pay for the lotto ticket, but you did keep your thirty bucks in your pocket every week, and you were satisfied with it uh, until that moment. Is that what you're saying? That's where he goes with this next section about buying lettuces. Yeah. 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 So All oh, right. Okay. So I think he's then using that same analogy for social status or. You could use it for career, or you could use it for many other scenarios, you know? Yeah, he's basically sort of saying, you know, if they go back to that original um, example about getting invited along to give counsel or um, entertainment or whatever it was, right? It's like that guy has been asked to do that because of what he's done. And that may well be of um, sucking up to this other dude or like, you know, just paying him compliments and doing all this stuff. And it's like, well, did you do that stuff? No. So why should he ask you to come and give counsel and all that sort of thing? You didn't. You didn't suck up and do all the uh, um, the brown nosing to sort of get that station. Um, <clears throat> and so I guess he's just sort of saying, you know, if you want to lower yourself to go and kowtow to somebody, then and it's in your benefit, then feel free. But if you don't want to soil yourself with lowering yourself to do that kind of thing and you really just want to stand on your own two feet and be your own person without trying to uh i suppose like politically influence somebody to to be important then you know kudos you know good on you but don't bitch and moan about it <laughs> like that's your choice um you can take yeah, that like, there's another way to say it like you you just don't expect to get something for nothing yeah. If you expect if you expect to get something for nothing, you'll never be satisfied. I think yeah, I, I think so. I think so, but it's 
I think it's also saying, um, it, it is that, but I think it's more than that. I think it's like, as a philosopher, you don't want to behave in that way. So if someone gets a reward for behaving in that way, then you shouldn't feel this way. You know, you shouldn't yeah. like just be happy for them because they got what they wanted and that's what they've been behaving yeah. and aiming for. Yeah. Well, kind of like alternatively, if someone has been brown nosing to get that spot at the party or whatever, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you, that, that is that where that you can't get something for nothing comes into it. It's like, well, if you're not willing to sell yourself to get there, then it's a bad thing for him to be there. So why do you even care? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Cause I think like that last um, sort of sentence was, was really where he kind of delivered the punch on that. And it's like going to say, you have nothing instead of the dinner. Um, nay, you have this, you have not praised the man you did not want to praise and you have not had to bear with the insults of his doorstep. So, so you have had advantage, uh, right? Yeah. You, you, you yeah. haven't had to sit you kept your there. integrity feeling like a shill just you know <laughs> and that's why that's why he's used the money analogy right yeah you, you didn't pay you didn't pay i'm going to say my bottle cap you didn't pay your bottle cap so you've kept your bottle cap yeah yeah so right you've got nothing so yeah 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 because they're saying like if you didn't get that invite you didn't get anything it's like well actually you did you kept your self-respect that's something right <laughs> Yeah, um, it's something yeah. actually pretty important if, if you actually want to be a philosopher or so. Um, yeah, yeah, I really I like cool. I really like this one. I think I'm going to print this and carry it around me for a few days. It's pretty long. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's, no, it's... you're right. It's good. I actually like it now that I understand it. Honestly, I I read it the first time and I didn't get time to go over it again. And I just I got hung up on the lettuces and I'm like, what are you talking about, lettuces, man? <laughs> I'd surprise the milk analogy back in the day. You had to yeah. prove you knew the price of milk. Yeah. You know, if it makes you feel any better, uh, Rubes, the modern version uh, referenced uh, the price of a hamburger. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> then I would that translation, how, how is a lettuce comparable to a hamburger? Uh, look, that, that modern one... Um, they have taken quite a few liberties with it to try and <laughs> contextualize it, right? Not just translate it, I think. So what I heard there is yeah. lettuce is a junk food and I shouldn't eat it. <laughs> no, what you heard there is that a hamburger is health food. <laughs> well, yes, that could be true too. <laughs> well, that justifies me eating them almost every day as I do. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. <laughs> All right, here we go on the time. We're going okay. Let's, uh, let's do section 26, I reckon. I have to admit, I haven't read this far, so I'm winging it here. <laughs> I got I got stuck on the last one. And I kind of gave up. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's do it on the night. <laughs> All right, twenty six. It is in our power to discover the will of nature from those matters on which we have no difference of opinion. For instance, when another man's slave has broken the wine cup, we are very ready to say at once, "Such things must happen." Know then that when your own cup is broken you ought to behave in the same way as when your neighbor's was broken. Apply the same principle to higher matters. Is another's child or wife dead? Not one of us, but would say, such is the lot of man. But when one's own dies, straight away one cries, alas, miserable am I. But we ought to remember what our feelings are when we hear it of another. Mm. Interesting. Can I just... Can I just say, why is he always going straight to dead women and children? Like, <laughs> maybe he had a maybe thing about. Maybe he was scared about being on a sinking ship, so he wanted to lay the foundation to be able to get into the boat. <laughs> women and children, not first. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it, it does seem to um, reach for that example quite a bit. Maybe it was just really common. I was about to say, maybe it's one that everyone has experience of. Oh, it's just something that's that he knows is going to trigger people, and that's why he picks it. Uh, I was he... thinking more that it's just, it was just a common conversation. You're up at the baths at the end of the week. I mean, how was your week, man? And your mate's like, oh, yeah, my wife and child died again. 
<laughs> and then the other bloke's like, yeah, mine too. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Life was rough back then. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. It probably was a bit more, a bit more um, regularly discussed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. To de- sorry well, to derail that, fellas. That's right. Well, let's start, let's start at the beginning. So if the cup is broken, mm. if it's someone else's cup, we go, such as a matter of entropy. But if it's our own cup, then we cry over spilt milk. Is that essentially what he's saying? Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this in the example of like a mobile phone, right? Ooh. And like you, you drop your phone and crack the screen. And like, oh, mate, that sucks. But, you know, shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when you do it yourself, you, you're probably a bit more bit more cranky about it right <laughs> yeah. i actually think it affects you more i actually think my wife gets more angry at me when i damage my own phone yeah than she does when she damages her own phone yeah. <laughs> which is funny but yeah it's just a phone so no, no big deal right um yeah so i, th- I think I, that's where he's is that's where he's starting from and then um you know, and then he's starting to move on to, to bigger things, isn't he? So we'll use it again, like in a more, uh, rather than your wife and child, right? So maybe some, <clears throat> your friend's mum dies or something. And um, you might sort of say, <clears throat> sorry, I got a bit of frog in my throat tonight. Um, look, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, you know, he, I, you're probably not going to say it, but like, uh, you know, people die. But that's kind of, it's like the life ends eventually, right? I think is what he's trying to say. You know? Yeah. It's, we, he talks right at the start, the will of nature. And that um, we've spoken about that before. And it's like, you can't change the will of nature. The will of nature is that life starts and life finishes. <clears throat> and, um, you know, whilst you might uh, express some uh, sorrow for that and what have you, but, you know, everyone's got to die someday, uh-huh. right? The nature thing yeah, is, so is, is, he, is, he, is he kind of say, yeah sorry is he kind of saying um you know like uh you're able to detach yourself from being overcome by grief when it happens to someone else yeah you need to yep. universalize that principle and apply it to yourself I, I think he's just saying keep it in mind I, I i i'm pretty certain he um would admit that it's two different things because you can't be you can't be purely detached if it's your your mother or your wife or something because surely you love them right um but i think he's just sort of saying you know you you shouldn't drop into a pit of despair you know yeah you you ought to behave the same way as when your neighbors was broken yeah that's true yeah i don't know well, he's, he's being saying, cold again. Yeah, I think but he's he, being a bit right cold at, here. He is, but right at the end he says, but we ought to remember what our feelings are when we hear it of another. So I think he's just saying, remember how you were when your friend's, um, you know, wife died or what have you. And, and also, and, yeah, and also understand it's not a unique tragedy just to you. Yeah, it's the natural, you know, transition of life right yeah and i think it was another passage of his that what was he was talking about it was like um he was saying like life was like it was on loan or something and it was being borrowed and that yeah. you were giving it back yeah. when somebody what when difference somebody, does it make how it gets returned yeah like well you know you've you've borrowed it <clears throat> it's going to go back sooner or later so um yeah um, so I think he's just trying to say, just me- measure your grief, you know, thinking about how you spoke. Yeah, to I think you're that. right. It kind of, it could kind of go either way. He's like, he, um, you could probably read it either way as in if you could also, you could be sympathetic towards someone else. So, but you could also, when something happens to you, you can also feel it. So it's not like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think you could read it as a one-sided thing. I don't, I think it would be a, a, a negative reading to say, uh, you know, your friend, something bad's happened to your friend, you don't care. So you shouldn't care what something happens to you. 
well, if something bad happens to your friend, you should care. Hmm. You should also care when something happens to you, but it shouldn't be inordinately great just because it happened to you rather than somebody else. So hmm. I think it's, it's a call for balance really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think the thing is when it happens to somebody else, it's very easy to be logical about it. And yeah. I think it's harder to be logical when you're clouded by the emotional. And it's not to say that you shouldn't have emotion. Um, but I think you're right, Rubes, that, that sort of balance is what he's kind of calling for. You know, remember how logical you were when you sort of, you know. When it happened of, to someone else, yeah. Yeah, because you're saying, well, it's a practical thing, you know. Life comes and goes, you know. So, um, um, yeah, just keep that in mind, I suppose, is kind of what he's saying. Mm. Yeah. Let's... I don't know, maybe I'm just softening because I'm getting so used to hearing about um, dead wives and children in this book. Um <laughs> he's, maybe, maybe that's his plan he's desensitizing me to uh to the concept isn't it funny that the, this book by this greek guy is going to desensitize us in this age of mortal Kombat x and all these different tv shows and movies that we constantly watch oh that's uh well, that philosophical classic book that really desensitized me <laughs> But it is true. Oh. Like it, it's quite funny. I, I was quite incensed when we read the first passage at the start of this book. Yeah. You know, and uh, gradually I'm, I seem to be sort of I don't know, not getting as incensed by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, actually. <laughs> I um, I'll, I'll have to try to remember this next time something bad happens to me. You just kind of go, oh, hang on, if this happened to someone else, would I be this upset? Mm. And where's the middle ground? So I'll, we'll have to give it a go, but I bet you when something bad happens to me, I won't be thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that is the hard part, right? <laughs> well, we've yeah. got one more to go, and I'm excited to do this one. It's very, very short, but I feel like we could almost do a whole episode on it. Right. So Ooh. here we go. 27. As a mark is not set up for men to miss it, so there is nothing intrinsically evil in the world. Boom. It's a hair of a statement. What? That's a statement. The, the, the first part makes, makes sense mostly, right? Uh, so as a, as a mark is not set up for men to miss it. So, you know, like goals aren't made generally to just be unachievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a, a mark is there to guide something, something to aim at. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The next step is what? So there is nothing intrinsically evil in the world. I don't. I, I think, well, I don't I think what they're saying was that is that the the <clears throat> the goal has not been set up to trip you up. So the world's not out to get you. Um. I, do you think he's saying it's in the same way that it's achievable to hit the target in archery it's achievable mm. to get through life hitting the target like that the the world isn't actually set up intrinsically against you to fail is that what he's trying to say i i, I don't know i mean you, you could dive into this a bunch of different ways but you know, oh. you know you can look at somebody who in their life always plays the victim right yeah. And that life is so unfair. And this is maybe speaking to someone like that. Everything I do in life, um, the world sets out to trip me. Goes up. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Because you're probably aiming for the wrong shit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because you're looking for stuff that's outside your power, maybe. Yeah. And so if you're looking at reasonable goals within. I don't know what you can achieve or something like that, then you should be fine. But I don't know, maybe you're getting tripped up because you're trying to do stuff that you, you know, you can't control. I'm not sure. I, I must admit the way I read it the first time around it, I was sort of like, you know, the universe isn't working against you, but sometimes, you know, stuff happens. Um, but that's just, you know, sometimes it's just chance. And I know we've sort of spoken about that in a couple of other um, sort of passages previously in, with Epictetus as well, like you could be knocked down three times and you still sort of have to sort of get up and keep moving. It's not that, um, you know, something's 
trying to make a point yeah. of you. And if you lose everything, you know, well, life goes on, you know, you need to just kind of find a way to keep moving, I suppose. But This makes me think of the stuff about, is it in accordance with nature? So like other things that are going wrong, is it that they're going wrong or is it actually in accordance with nature and it's your impression of it? Is it, is it yeah. is actually what's wrong, you know? So like, okay. um, here's a stupid example. Sometimes my dog gets in this stupid mood where it just wants to bark at everything and it really annoys me. And when, the more it does it, the more I start thinking, you're just doing this to annoy me, you stupid thing. <laughs> and, and I just really want to make it shut up. Um, but lately as it starts barking, I, I'm doing this exercise because of this book now where I'm like, oh, it's just, it's actually in accordance with the nature of a dog to bark at things. It's not actually being a little turd. It's, and then once I actually say it myself, I'm like, actually compared to some of the other dogs in the suburb, he's actually pretty good. He's actually a pretty quiet dog compared to a lot mm. of dogs. So I probably shouldn't get too angry because it's in accordance with nature of a dog to bark when it thinks there's something there. No, I mean, like, so yeah. do you think that's sort of part, because he always goes back into that isn't in accordance with nature sort of argument. Do you think mm. it's not it's not the event, but it's our impression of the event that harms us? I, I think that's what he's trying to say here in another way, do you think? I think uh, that could be part. I don't see it. That's, you're, making, like, you're making a lot of sense, and I think that's a good point. I don't see it here in this passage, though. I think it's pretty hard maybe to get over... Um, the comment that said there is nothing intrinsically evil in the world because uh, well what would that, Socrates say like what what is intrinsically evil in the world what would be the opposite so if he's saying there well, isn't what is, what, well, is, what is intrinsically evil in the world well there's some men who are well, intrinsically evil you would say so yeah. I, I don't know I mean they're bad people yeah yeah so I don't I mean, know. Physically evil. Is I, I have a feeling though that they're, they're talking more about like fate and because uh, they sort of believed in that, right, to a degree, um, and the universe, if you know what I mean. Rather, rather than probably the common man here, but I have a feeling it's just more thinking a bit more big picture about just life in and your place in it and like are you uh you know um you know being punished by god or something like that or you know someone setting hurdles in front of you to trip you up rather than let you succeed and um i think i think they're just sort of saying that's not the case you know that's you know, you, maybe you're making that up in your in your head. There, there's nothing out there to get you. Whatever hurdles you find, you're probably putting in front of yourself. Okay. All right. Um, this is my take on it off the cuff. Um, it's basically, in a real simple way, saying if you a target is there to, to aim at and if you miss it, it's not the target's fault. So if um, you miss the target, either you stuffed up or you're aiming at the wrong target. Yeah, I think so. There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with targets in themselves. Hmm. The only thing that can go wrong is either you miss or you choose the wrong target. How about that? Yeah, that That's the that simplest works. way I can boil it down. I don't know whether that works. That works for the target That's analogy. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it, I'm trying to explain it in a really practical sense because I think yeah. what I'm tempted to do is get hung up on the idea that there is nothing that's intrinsically evil. But I think if you, if you want to break that down and start yeah. really digging into that, you, you've got to ask, well, what does he mean by a target? What does he mean by intrinsically? And what does he mean by evil? Um, and I think when yeah. you, if you start to drill into that, I don't, I don't, I don't know how far we'd get. That's a whole show. That's what I'm saying. It's a big. Yeah. It's a yeah, big statement. What you're saying now, yeah, because to me, this argument sounds very familiar to, um, like an argument of someone who's like a hardcore atheist, um, who's like everything's just happened by accident, rally doesn't actually exist, it's just survival of the fittest, and you know if I decide to kill you, 
that that's not actually evil it's just part of evolution yeah, it feels similar to that right. sort of argument and I think so you know I mean, that's interesting because I had a, I had a totally opposite impression well I would um, say me well I was gonna my, say my sorry, immediate, yeah go yeah so my my immediate impression was as soon as I started talking about targets and missing and evil I started to think about because there's like a bunch of different words for evil uh or sin in the bible but then a lot of them relate to a falling short well sin is uh, in relation sin is a term from archery which is short, yeah, right. falling short of the target yeah i'm but, sorry i just wanted to spit yeah. it out before before but i, I think i think I that's why the catholics but sorry you were saying what sorry, were you saying I, about I mean, you yeah so i was just saying i think that's why the catholics make the distinction between uh, sin and trespass because a, a sin is you're aiming for the target and you fall short of it whereas a trespass is an intentional going after something that is not the target right uh, okay interesting interesting but what were you saying about the uh the the, the, the hardcore atheist type oh thing? what's just that sort of if, if everything is created through an accident chance or through chance um the morality is just perception um or impression yeah right right because um like so i've gone to this monkey example before but the two monkeys doing the same act and getting different rewards and one of the monkeys gets really agitated by that scientists will say that that's the beginning of ethics because you know that that monkey's doing the same task as the other one and you can see he's getting a reward that's not as good as the other monkey therefore it's unfair therefore that's why he gets angry and that's the beginning of ethics through a uh, nature sort of way mm. so it's the perspective it's the fact that that monkey sees the other monkey getting treated differently it's his impression of i'm doing the same task but i'm getting something different that's created the reaction the, the moral reaction that's not actually but it's just cause it's just cause and effect there's not actually anything wrong with it yeah so if everything's cause and effect, so you're kind of you're reading on this as like, well, if everything's cause and effect, then um, there's nothing actually wrong with missing a target. Things are just things are because they are, and there's nothing actually. It's just all cause and effect. I'm, I'm confused. No, I think he, I think he's saying that there's nothing inherently evil. It's our impression of events that actually make those things good or bad i i think you're right because i must admit like i got the vibe he was being a bit uh hyperbolic with that example about nothing intrinsically evil in the world because that's how people might feel when something's happening to them that that there is something evil in the world trying to screw with them yeah you've been wronged i've been wronged i didn't get what i want because i've been wronged yeah yeah um maybe so, he wasn't actually talking about an actual you know intrinsic evil in the world is just sort of saying well you know that that's the perception you're throwing because things are tripping you up you know i don't know right i reckon i reckon we bookmark this one and we come back <laughs> to it we might do a whole episode on this at some point that's what i was saying it's a, it's a big <laughs> um and i'm not saying like i might have misrepresented someone there in my conversation but it just reminds me of things i've looked at in the past around morality and how if you're purely materialistic then my opinion is if if everything is through chance and everything is materialistic um it's very difficult to justify morality as anything other than just part of an evolutionary process yeah right yeah i'm just really curious now like um i that's such a good example you brought up there about the the, the archery sort of thing with a yeah a mark and a sin I had no idea about that sort of um link there um so I wonder if that was purposeful or not I'm not sure Man. probably probably we'll, we'll never know but um yeah that's that's really interesting because hmm. that does sort of give it a, a bit of a different different spin there too yeah yeah very cool yeah I like it well, um, I reckon that'll do from the book. Um, and we kind of did the pub for lots of us at the beginning. Is there anything you guys wanted to go to the pub for, or are we all good? Uh, 
I, I don't have any uh, particular topics of conversation today, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, you're the one that springs the questions, so I'm happy to call it. <laughs> All right, well. Well, I think maybe before we go, I'll just sort of say it's, um, it is um, Mother's Day in Australia today, so... Um, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, and um, you know, thank you for um, all you do for uh, for our families and for us and all the others out there. Good job, top mums. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, let's actually that can be the pub philosophers' topic. Let's let's. Uh, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I'm not. I'm not going to the pub and talking about my mum. Well, I, I was going to say, let's have a chat about, this could be interesting, what did the kids get, so what did our kids get for their mum, what did they do for Mother's Day? So, Lachlan, you can go first. Yeah, um, well, you know that they have, um, um, down at the school, often the, the little Mother's Day stall, so they can take $10 along and get something for mum, so. Like a candle. The stuff that buys soap. always terrible. Um, the, the stuff was all right. Um, actually, I have to say, really? um, yeah. So my oldest was the one picking for my wife, and they got some things for like their auntie and stuff like that as well. So he, so he picked the main thing there. So he got a uh, bought her a a beanie, which might <laughs> might sound kind of funny, but actually it was like uh, uh, like right sort of like color and uh, sort of like a, a style, and I was like. That actually does suit mum, right? Like you picked, nice. you picked well. You picked a good thing for mum there. Um, so yeah, that's that, that's what she got there, and got a, a candle from one of the others, and a uh, um, just like a necklace, just with some like little wooden bead sort of things on there from from the other one. So um, yeah, she was happy. Nice, <laughs> kids <were> happy. <laughs> so it was all good. Nice. Um, how about how about you, Rubes? Um, we kind of just had our boys cleaning all day. Oh, that's a win! <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. It's a hard labour. No, it was good. no, what talking talking about those those little school presents. It wasn't Mother's Day, but it was Father's Day one year. Uh, my wife gave him some cash for that school shop, and they just came back with crap. And then ever since then, she's been like, nah, we're not doing it again. So we, <laughs> she refuses to let them buy anything from the school shop for Mother's or Father's Day. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I think, I think, um, I think they bought, they bought me like a pen that said something about grandpa on it because, because <laughs> <laughs> my youngest is real, my youngest at the time was real young and, and couldn't even really read properly. And then there was something else that was rubbish. And, and yeah, my wife's just like, nah, you're not doing it again. <laughs> Well, funnily enough, I have here on my desk, literally, there's something that my nephew got at the uh, at the Father's Day uh, stand uh, one year, which is a little <laughs> pin holder, the, like a little Formula One car and some tyres, right? That's it's sitting nice. on my desk right nailed now. It. Hey? So, yeah, nailed it. He, uh, he hit the brief. So, um, so every now and then, every now and then, I get a luck out at the, uh, at the, at the ten dollars store at, at school. So yeah, you got to take that. It's a win. Yeah. Well, um, my kids are chalk and cheese. So uh, my son, I had to remind him and then assist with getting a card and that sort of stuff going. Um, whereas my daughter, just without me having to say a word with a craft kit made her own card for her did a big balloon and, and glue stuck all these little beads on there to make a really cute smiley face and made her a jewelry necklace and bracelet out of her jewelry kits that she has mm. yeah, super sweet right. stuff um and then yeah so the son and uh daughter together we we got um a packet of salt and vinegar chips because that's my wife's favourites and um, some caramel Daryl Lee chocolate fudge stuff. So she was Good. very happy this morning. Hard to beat salt and vinegar chips, to be honest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right up there. <laughs> Her favourites are kettle. Um, I prefer the other brand, which I can't recall. Red Rock Deli, I think it is, because I use the balsamic vinegar. Yeah. 
it's sweet it's so good I came across wrong both 100% wrong all of you you don't know what you're talking about the best chip is Smith's crinkle cut chicken flavor there's no competition and (laughs) I will beat you relentlessly if you say otherwise (laughs) you're forgetting about you're forgetting about tubes (laughs) no no tubes are lame (laughs) What were you going to say? Uh, there were some really good um, vinegar chips um, that were out that was by um, uh, Tyrrell's. I don't know if you'd seen them before. Um, but they were doing like a uh, apple cider and um, and uh, sort of salt chip, which was very, very nice. But they seem to have disappeared from the shelves. Obviously, nobody bought them, but they were no. good. <laughs> well, I just... I just love the fact that uh, to end up the show, we thought we'd talk about mums and we ended up discussing chips. <laughs> Comfort food. <laughs> Clearly we're hungry, right? <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Well, that was good. Um, thanks again for tonight, guys. It was a good conversation. For those listening, thanks for joining us. And uh, remember, the Republic wasn't built in a day and neither are middle-aged men. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all those ladies listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Yeah.